chapter 11. It might come off as Isaiah today, but uh, until then, it's Isaiah. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 10. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. If you're using a pew Bible, it's page 1074. Okay, starting in verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put, shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word that we can trust and that we do believe in. And we pray, Lord, your hand of anointing upon Paul as he um, opens your word to us that our hearts would burn within us and that he would speak your words, Lord, and that we would hear from you and not from him, that he would become less and you would become more and that you will speak to us, Lord, today because we're here to hear from you. So anoint Paul with power and passion and fire this morning and give him clarity in his thoughts and his words. And Lord, change our hearts today by what we learn of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we um, we have looked at several of the prophets. For example, we've looked in Amos, and we've looked in Hosea, and we've looked in Micah to get a basic idea of the promises of God that are covenanted to Israel um, in the Old Testament. And the reason that we're doing that is because we have to capture as much as we can in a a kind of a, a flyover fashion the covenant promises that God has made to his people Israel. The reason for that is that uh, if we're not going to to notice what God says and the promises that God makes to Israel, 
we may as well just uh, rip the Old Testament out of our Bibles. But since we're going through the Bible and capturing or trying to capture this information, it's essential that we look at the kinds of promises that God has made to the nation of Israel. Um, Because if God says these things to Israel, if he makes covenant oaths to do these things, and then spiritualizes them and gives them to the church when we get into the New Testament, then what makes you think that he's not going to spiritualize all of the promises to you when it gets to the kingdom? There is no guarantee that God is not going to... Uh, what, what nice word can we use? Transform, change, transmogrify. His covenant oaths to you if he's going to do or has done that to these promises that we read of in the, New Te- in the Old Testament. God, as I keep telling you, means what he says. God means what he says. And when he makes an oath to do something, then he means what he says even more. The very fact that he's made oaths is not because we might question his character or question his, uh, his word because he's God. It's just that we may, because of our default of thinking independently of what God says, we might find ourselves saying, well, I know that's what God said, but I can't see how that's going to be fulfilled. Or it's all about the church now. And therefore, what we need to do is we need to take these promises and we need to tweak them and apply them to the church. The the idea behind that is that God is through with the nation of Israel. Well, he's not. He's not. And this, the kind of teaching that, uh, that, that puts that across as if God is through with Israel is known either as replacement theology or, there's a big word for it, supersessionism. Supersessionism. When they say the church supersedes the nation of Israel. Oh, yes, Jews can be saved, but they're incorporated into the church. You see? That's what these people teach. And it's very common in Christian pulpits to do this and has been all through church history. And it's been very, very damaging to evangelism of Jews, as you can imagine. If we just say, well, yeah, all of those, all of your culture and all of those promises in the Old Testament, uh, all of those things that God says, we know that they've rejected Jesus, but, uh, you know, that's something that's going to be rectified later on. But all of those promises, well, basically they're given to the church now. Well, how do you think that makes them feel? It makes them feel that basically the New Testament is just a, uh, a twisting of the promises of the Old Testament, when of course it's not. We want them to believe the New Testament. We want them to believe 
the Christ of the New Testament, but we've not done a very good job of getting them to do it. And that's one of the main reasons. So that's why we are looking at these promises. That's why we're examining them. And the last, I think the last two messages, I talked about God's promises to Israel. This could be called God's promises to Israel, but how many of sermons you want all called God's promises to Israel? Uh, so this one is about the branch because it introduces this figure in chapter 11 of Isaiah verse 1 called the branch. But we could also call it a glimpse of the coming kingdom because there are things in here also that I think flesh out what we've already looked at in the other uh, prophets. Now it starts out in verse 1 in this uh, rather strange way. It uses this uh, horticultural figure of speech. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Who's Jesse? Do you remember who Jesse is? Jesse is the father of David. And remember when we looked at the book of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 4, that uh, Jesse is the grandson of Ruth and Boaz. Do you remember that? So there's a connection here, you see, a grounded connection with past uh, history. A certain person from this family will come forth, and these things are going to be said of him. Now, he's not named. He's just called a branch, a branch. So a particular growth, a particular outgrowth of this family shall grow out of his roots. Now this, again, this name, this figure of speech, the branch, it is used of Messiah or of Christ here and in a few other places, but in particular in one place in the book of Zechariah. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But uh, just have, have your fingers kind of ready to go to the book of Zechariah in a minute. This branch is the Davidic ruler who shall bring about a transformation in this world, in its politics, in the way that human beings relate to one another, And this transformation will reach out into nature itself. This is why, and we haven't uh, gone to it yet, but we'll get to it. This is why in chapter 9 of Isaiah, Christ is called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And this chapter, chapter 11, gives us an idea of, of how uh, powerful that peace will be, how pervasive it will be in the coming kingdom. We had a look at that somewhat when we looked at Micah chapter 4. Do you remember that? About uh, a man leaning back on his own fig tree and no one's going to make him afraid. No one's going to 
bother him. There's going to be no cause for panic. There's going to be no cause for him to uh, to think, oh, I, you know, robbers could come along or you know, violent people could come along. No, I, I can rest here as long as I want. I can be at peace. Nobody's going to trouble me. And so this adds to that picture. So a branch comes from the stem of of uh, Jesse, the Davidic line, and this is obviously talking about this ruler. Okay, now we can go to Zechariah quickly. If you go to Zechariah chapter 6, now Zechariah is the penultimate book of the Old Testament. Okay, so keep going. If you get to Matthew, then just go two books back. Malachi is the last book, and then there's Zechariah. If you're not at Malachi or Zechariah yet, just keep flipping until you get there. Chapter 6, okay? Zechariah chapter 6. This, chapter 6, is a prophecy that is enacted. Zechariah is somebody who is given things to act out. And one of the things that happens is that... uh, a, some gold is given into the hand of Josiah the priest and they make a, an elaborate crown out of it. And Zechariah is supposed to crown the high priest Joshua as a kind of uh, figure or a uh, adumbration, sorry about the word, I can't think of a, a shorter one, of Messiah and his coming. So look at verse 12 of chapter 6. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, from his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. Now, the both there is the priesthood and the throne. Okay? The priesthood and the throne. The reason is that the branch will both be the high priest and he will also be the king, the ruler. So this is a prophecy of the coming Messiah and his, from his rule in Jerusalem, he's, he will branch out and everyone will feel and uh, be impacted by his rule. That's the idea. Now his rule will not be just as a rule, a rule of, a, as a king, but also he shall rule as a high priest on behalf of mankind toward God. So he's going to be a godly, as it were, intercessor between God and man. Now, Jesus, of course, comes from which tribe? Judah. And Judah is not the priestly tribe. That's Levi. So this means that for this individual to be a priest on the throne, there's going to have to be some change in the priesthood. And that's what the book of Hebrews tells us about. 
it tells us about a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Okay? A, a Mel, Melchizedek. And that is Jesus. We'll say much more about that later on. But understand that when uh, we understand Isaiah chapter 11 in light of Zechariah chapter 6, then the branch, the ruler, who's going to bring the peace upon earth, is going to do it both as a, as it were, political ruler and as a spiritual ruler. Do you see? So he's not going to have a spiritual advisor. Jesus is spiritual. And all the more so because of what's going to be said to him in our passage in Isaiah chapter 11. It says in verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord